Hey guys, Jack here. Just one announcement this week. For all of you guys who have been hearing about the Greg Raymer event and thinking, well, I live in London, I definitely can't go to that. Good news. You actually can tune in to the live stream of that event. That's Saturday, November 12th, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and we're going to be streaming that on Twitch at Poker on Air's Twitch channel. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, so yeah, I'll be saying that one more time next week, and then you'll never hear about this event again uh, until after the event when we tell you where the video is up. But yeah, we're really excited about it. And uh, you can tune in to hear Zach, Greg, and my commentary on the play of our participants. Uh, and that'll be archived afterwards if you're not free uh, to tune in live. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. Hello there, Jack. Hey, Zach. What's going on? Got another hand from that uh, London session. Awesome. Tell me about it. So uh, for those of you that tuned, tuned in last week, uh, the same villains are at play here with one additional guy. Uh, so we have one kind of uh, tighter professional who seems to have a tendency to, to overfold and just play a little bit tighter than would be optimally in this kind of loose action game. And we got a recreational player who plays a pretty tight range of hands, but three bet light a ton. This hand takes place later into the session than last week, probably about about six hours playing with everyone. And uh, we have a new villain who's relevant in the hand. This guy I've uh, been chatty with a lot. He, he is Israeli, and a lot of times when I'm playing at the poker tables, I like to kind of bond with the Israelis and speak with them in Hebrew. And usually any Israeli I meet is a reg (laughs) and they usually uh, give me some helpful advice and let me know stuff about different players without anyone else realizing. So it's, it's usually a nice, nice little setup and he's giving me a ton of action, just probably the biggest spot at the table. So it's, it's a good, good part of the session. All right. So let's hear about the hand. So um, in this hand, I'm on the button the kind of recreational player who plays a fairly tight range but three bets light a lot uh, opens in the cutoff and I have pocket sevens and we're really deep and this is a spot that I could think could go either way. Uh, I have about 3,200 at this point. He has about 1,500. Uh, the Israeli guy has about 4,000. The professional has uh, about 2,000. So everyone over 300 big lines deep and I think there's a lot of good arguments for for three betting. Uh, one is that the the I think the the Israeli guy in the small blind is going to uh, cold call with a lot of hands. And also, I think you know if we can isolate ourselves with kind of me and the guy in the cutoff and the Israeli guy, or just me and the guy in the cutoff, uh, and not the the big blind professional player that's really good arguments for flatting are that you know by calling here the Israeli guy in the small blind is going to call with like probably at least 40% of hands if not closer to like 50 55% so what do you what are you thinking here uh, I think I prefer flatting with this hand I think it's, it's a hand that we can play pretty well sort of set mining in position uh, and also you know, potentially having some spots where we can just play middle pair well. But I think if you're confident we're going to see the flop three ways uh, with this hand, it's not a hand that's going to want to be C-bet a lot. And so we're, we're probably going to have to hit a set to win this hand the majority of the time. 
So I, I prefer putting in less money until that happens. Yeah, you, I just always, you know, I worry that I want to be able to get in, you know, 300 plus big blinds when I hit the set. So shortening the effective stacks beforehand could be good. In game, I ended up flatting. I'm just, you know, trying to think about the the different possibilities here. And yeah, I don't think, I think if I thought it was going to go three ways a lot, I think I would definitely three bet this hand, just be three betting really wide in the spot, kind of for merge value. Uh, but the, the yeah, I think the Israeli guy is probably calling a, between like 10 and 15% of hands. If I three bet, he'll cold call that three bet. Uh, but yeah, when I when I flat, he puts in a, has a lot more hands and, and he's willing to put in, you know, money and withdraws. That's how he's built up that stack. So I think, uh, you know, prob- probably flatting is best, but I do think it's really close, and this is a spot where I should be three betting a lot for value. Um, but sevens is kind of one of the worst hands to include in that in that range. Yeah, and I think like to be thinking that to be thinking that we don't, I don't think we need to be worrying yet about getting in three hundred big blinds. Uh, I think we should just be focused on you know preparing the best for all scenarios, and I I do think that against. You know, these players, we will be able to get, you know, in two or 300 big blinds when we do hit a set. It'll, we'll just have to play post-flop a little bit differently and a little bit faster than we would have otherwise. Cool. So I flat. Really, I flats in the small blind. And the tighter professional makes it 90 in the big blind. The cutoff insta-folds. And I flat. And the Israeli guy flats. I don't think there's much to talk about here. Yeah, so against, uh, you know, this... Even this, though this is guy is like sort of a type professional in the big blind, I think with stack sizes and position, uh, we have a pretty awesome set mining opportunity. Uh, and I th- the Israeli guy likely joining us to the flop only makes it better. Yeah, I, honestly, like I think I'm probably folding maybe my worst suited connectors here, but I think I'm calling with most of my range once I call here, given our stack depth position and the fact that once the action player calls, he's never really folding to this three bet when closing the action. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much right. You might have some, like, you know, you're calling on the button against a cutoff open, so you might have some, like, ace-10 offsuit or something that you might fold. But, yeah, I think the vast majority of your range is going to call here. Cool. So we, we see a flop, and I have two black sevens, which will be relevant. And the flop is the six of diamonds, three of spades, four of spades. Small blind checks, and the big blind bets a hundred and ten dollars um into a 290 dollar pot i think i like calling given the price uh we're ahead of some of big blinds range uh as is and we have a nice draw i think there's a lot of turn cards that the big blinds range isn't going to want to bet into especially given our history so i think we'll we'll have some bluffing opportunities on later streets uh, if we want to take them uh, or if we think he's giving up a lot we can even just try and check down uh, for showdown value uh, but yeah I think given the since he gave you such a good price and it also kind of seems like a little bit of weakness with this bet uh, I like to call and then you know evaluate on later streets and potentially bluff yeah I, I opted to call I think this I think if this were heads up there could be an argument made to raise just because it's highly likely that even his good value hands just can't stand like a, a raise and, you know, two more barrels, even if it's kind of like a way ahead, way behind 
thing against his like high cards versus his high pairs. But, you know, given the addition of the other guy in the pot who, you know, this guy has been pretty action-y and I think he has bluffed when missed draws, but I don't think he's semi-bluffed. I don't think I've really seen him semi-bluff. So I think if I flat here and he makes a really big raise, I think I could pretty comfortably fold. So yeah, I, I, I liked calling here and the small blind ended up calling. So yeah, and just for you guys who don't remember from last week, this guy on the button, sorry, not on the button, this guy in the big blind bet folded a king to Zach uh, on a king 3-3 three, three board. So he's he's definitely shown a propensity to like fold strong hands to aggression when they're not necessarily nutted. Yeah. And I yeah, I just think that if this guy is going to be three betting light out of the big blind, he's not going to be picking, you know, sixes, threes, and fours. So it's just kind of impossible for him to have a nutted hand in this spot unless, you know, a spade comes and he has an ace of spade hands. So I call small blind calls. So now on the turn, we have a pot of 620. And the turn is the five of spades. So if either of them had a flush draw, they just got there. But now we picked up a straight flush draw and we have a straight. And the small blind takes about 15 seconds and checks, which is a little bit longer than normal for him, which isn't super relevant, but, you know, just figured I'd throw that in there. And then the big blind quickly checks. And now we have this straight and the straight flush redraw. Hmm. I don't, there's not much you can do that's terrible here because you have a straight and you have a straight flush draw. I think I would definitely have said value bet had the Israeli guy not taken 15 seconds to check. That definitely screams strength to me. So I'm a little bit worried about flushes. So I'm considering checking and then betting on on the river if we get a good card. I think part of the value of that is that it might be easier uh, for us to get value uh, from the big blind and his you know over pairs on the river if it looks like we're just trying to steal the pot. The thing that makes me want to bet is that I think that there's a lot of value in flush draws that both of these players could have. You know, betting into flush draws on the flop for value is all right uh, since they have a lot of equity. But on the turn here, if they're going to be calling with, you know, the ace or the king of spades a lot, uh, that's very profitable since uh, there's only one card to come and we have a blocker. And uh, one of those spades gives us a straight flush draw. So, oh, right. Two, yeah, two of those spades gives us a straight flush draw. So, I think... The the thing that bothers me here is that I think bet folding is like kind of a disaster, uh, and if we get raised by this really guy, we're we're gonna have to fold. I don't know. Well, what were you thinking in game? Yeah, I probably thought for a little over a minute on this, which is pretty long for me. Um, and I was you know thinking about, you know, my first reaction is betting for value, uh, and then I thought, yeah, bet folding is just gonna be a, a huge disaster. So then most of what I was thinking about was you know what are their ranges and how likely are they to check raise for value or check raise as a bluff? And I kind of just determined like not particularly likely. And if they are, I think it's almost always for value. Given my reads on the professional, I think that if he makes a flush here, he's probably going to continue betting. And if he opts to go for 
a check raise, I just think he's kind of weirdly slow playing a flush and hoping I having a hope I have a worse flush. But if he has like ace king with the ace of spades, I can't imagine he's gonna opt to try to check raise. I think he'll probably just continue betting if he opts to bluff like that. And then against the Israeli guy, you know, we're really deep. So the 15 seconds definitely screams more strength to me. But I think that if he check raises, it's just so much, it's so likely for him to have a flush that even though it kind of sucks, we really only do have two outs against that. So it's not that big of a disaster to fold. Uh, So the only disaster is if we get bluffed off our hand, which I just think is really unlikely. So I think now, you know, I, I, then I thought, okay, so it's a pretty clear value bet. So what size are we going to use? What are we trying to value target? So obviously I think like the ace and the king of spades, um, maybe even like big wine players, queens with the queen of spades. Those are types of hands that we want calls from, um, as well as, you know, calls from like, maybe like a skeptical two pair of the Israeli guy or like a very weirdly played set of his, but I, I highly doubt he shows up with that, but maybe some type of two Paris hand. Um, so I, given that opted to bet like 245, uh, so it's not giving them the correct price to draw, but it's close to it. And then I think could also sometimes get a skeptical call from an overpair from the big blind, even without a spade. Mm, well, first of all, what you said before the bet sizing, uh, I totally agree with, uh, I, I was basically having the same thoughts as you were saying them. Bet sizing, I'm in the same ballpark. My thought was 300. I agree that we shouldn't... We don't have any reason to bet large because there's there's really no... The only value we're really getting is from draws uh, or pair plus draws in the case of the big blind. I guess the small blind, like you said, could have some sort of strange hands, but those also aren't going to call large bets. So we sort of have this minimum threshold where we don't want to give them the correct price to call. So my thought is that if someone would call 245, they'll probably call 300. So I think I prefer 300, but I, I think like we don't need to necessarily squabble about $50 here. I think like that range, like 240 to 300 is the right range. Yeah. My, my thinking was, you know, just that kind of anything above a half pot bet given like the way the action went just will look like a flush so much or even if it's not a flush it's like not a bet that people are going to really mess around with we're like kind of below half pot in the just two hundreds of dollars range when there's over 600 in there is going to look like okay he's aggressive he's in position he's betting and i think my my thought was that yes that less than 50 dollars would be much more likely actually to get looked up light just kind of from a psychological perspective well, 300 is less than half pot. I, I I mean, maybe maybe that's true. I'll just throw out the possibility that if we bet small, you know, we could end up looking like we have, you know, a strong flush and, and make a hand like, you know, queens with the queen of spades fold. But yeah, I'll just say again, I think like those sizings are going to be pretty darn similar in terms of results. So I like your sizing. Cool. Well... They both quickly folded <laughs> after betting 245. And I later talked a little bit more with the kind of professional player in the big blind. And he said he had pocket queens uh, without a spade. And he's like, yeah, 
you know, I, he's like, I definitely think you're capable of having a worse hand than me there, but I just can't call, you know? So that's also probably what has contributed to like, just like my conversations with him on top of playing with him to my, maybe some of my descriptions that I wasn't necessarily aware of when I was making these decisions, uh, about him just like erring on the safe side and not trying to like lose money in leveling wars with good players, you know? Yeah, and I mean, queens with the the spade or without the spade are two like hugely different hands in this situation. So, I think he's right to fold. Uh, he, you know, his best case scenario is that he has like sixty percent, seventy percent equity, probably. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he he has to fold. But yeah, I, th- I mean, I think you played the hand well. Cool. Thank you. <laughs>